in their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. Remember that was our Mother's Day message? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. And so, um, and so we talked about salt. And um, the end of that verse talked about, or that passage talked about that salt, if it would lose its saltiness. And the idea was that if there were um, other compounds other than pure salt that were in there, that a salt could actually in terms like technically lose its saltiness because there was other stuff in there. And so the Lord was trying to get rid of other stuff that would interfere with our pure devotion to the Lord. And so then we heard Pastor Scott Stark last week um, amazingly memorize and give for us in such a powerful way chapter 15 of Luke talking about the joy of finding lost things, lost coin, lost sheep, lost sons. And he really emphasized the point that both the younger and the older son were lost in some way and needed to come back into the joy of their father. And so then in that, we, um, I wanted to emphasize or kind of highlight a little bit about those two sons. Both of them were self-centered. The younger son was thinking that um, he just had these lusts, lust for the world, lust for women, lust for lavish living, and he wanted that money to go out and to meet those lusts of his life, and he ended up in a pig pen. He squandered the wealth. The older son, I think, had lust for himself I think he was hoarding I think that he was thinking I don't want my father to spend any of this because I want this bigger inheritance and so I think there was self-centeredness in both sons they weren't thinking about what would please the father just the joy of having the sons in the family business working together all towards the same goal and so there was this striving in the older son and the resentment that he didn't even want to go into the party. And so for both sons, there was this, I would say, contamination. There were these other things that were interfering with their total devotion toward their father and his wishes. And so now Jesus takes us into um, chapter 16, where we're going to read this morning. And I believe he's picking up on this theme of things that will interfere with our devotion to the Father. And so we're going to read Luke 16, verses 1 through 15. So Luke 16, verses 1 through 15. Jesus told his disciples, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 
900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. This is God's word for us this morning. A stewardship parable. This, when Jesus tells parables, when he tells stories, we're not supposed to try to read too much into it. We aren't supposed to try to pick it apart and analyze it from every possible angle and try to figure it all out. There's a general theme that we're supposed to pick up from. And so I want to talk about this parable. In your heading it says the parable of the shrewd manager. I think it's a stewardship parable actually because he's, he says, um, it says to us that Jesus is talking to his disciples. So remember we're in this process of Jesus walking towards the cross, walking toward Jerusalem, and he's pretty much turned away from trying to um, strongly influence the Pharisees and the religious leaders anymore, and he's trying to disciple his, his um, followers. And so he's teaching them about stewardship. And there's a couple of key elements in this story. There's a squandering and a dishonest use of company funds. All right, so... Things have been done that were done improperly, and it squandered the company funds. There's a direct confrontation and accountability in this story. And then there's a quick correction, of course, a prudence to do the right thing, which will result in ongoing blessings. And if you read this through, and um, the commentaries say this is probably one of the most confusing parables that Jesus told. I don't know how I keep getting the ones that are so confusing. But anyway, what a blessing it is to study God's word. And so um, I I just want to share my musings, my prayerful deliberations and trying to understand this. But these, I think, are the key elements that the Lord would have us notice. 
that there was misuse of funds, there was a direct confrontation. It wasn't accusing. I think, there, I think that the manager, the owner actually probably really, really regretted having to speak this, but he spoke it. And then there was this quick um, calling in the debtors and decreasing their bill. And I believe that it's hard when we live in a country where capitalism is our, our understanding of like making money and getting rich and this dream of having it all. I think that when we read this, we think, well, how could that have been commendable that he decreased the bill? But I, th- I believe what probably was happening is that he was padding it. He was charging more than there should have been charge, and he was making a correction. I think he was padding it, and whether he was squandering it or whether he was hoarding it and putting it over in his own account, I don't know. And I think that the Lord leaves that possibility there so that it applies to more of us as we think about the application of this passage. But those are the, my, the major things to take out of this parable, I believe, is this, you know, there's a wrongdoing, there's a confrontation, and there's a corrective action that happens very promptly, which is actually going to lead toward blessing in this person that's being dismissed. Their life is going to be blessed. It appears that the owner is also going to be blessed. The customers are going to be blessed. And even as I thought about this, I thought the whole area of um, business ethics in a Christian worldview would be a fascinating thing to take up and think about. Um, And so for those that are in business, I just pray that the Lord will give you much, much grace to think about how does his kingdom work and how do we handle that that we've been given. But we've all been given something, and that's the point of today's message. All right, I see some parallels to the prodigal son story. There's a business where there's the squandering of wealth, and the young son went off and squandered his father's wealth. And then the um, Pharisees, who love money and justify themselves, are sneering at Jesus when they hear this. And I think that that older brother was probably sneering at his dad, like, what are you thinking of throwing a party for my younger brother? And um, so I see some parallels here, and I think that this is why this story follows after that story of the prodigal son. Jesus is teaching us about kingdom economics, and he's teaching his disciples about how his kingdom works, this upside-down kingdom, something different and countercultural to the way the world would work. There's different ways to use resources. We can use it for our own kingdoms. We could use it for the kingdom of darkness, or we could use it for the kingdom of light. And so resources, and how do we use those resources and who are we focused on when we think about the resources and there are valuables verse 15 where it talks about the um, pharisees there are values that are absolutely detestable to god and which people seem to be able to justify to themselves and others and so i think there's a real caution here to be careful that we don't get deceived as we're thinking about worldly wealth and riches there's a deception, and so that people could even justify or have a sense of entitlement and, um, and be deceived and actually not recognize 
some of the principles that Jesus is teaching about earthly riches. First of all, he points out in verse 9 that they're temporary. Earthly wealth is temporary. And there's a purpose that we're given any resources, and that purpose is that we're meant to um, gain friendships and use them in such a way that we would be conduits of grace in one another's lives. All right? So if we're given something, any kind of wealth, any kind of property, any kind of resource, time, talent, treasure, whatever it is, we're supposed to be used, the Lord wants us to be used to be a conduit of love. And so if I have an afternoon free, I could think about how I wanted to use it or I could think, how does the Lord want me to use it? Because I hear my sister here is going through a hard time with some family things as she prayed. Would the Lord have me to connect to be a conduit of grace? What if I have a $5 bill in my pocket and I hear, as we've got a stack of requests for people, friends and um, kids of our friends that are going on mission trips and everybody needs to be funded. You know, how am I going to use that? Am I going to the Dairy Queen? Or am I thinking, Lord, would you have me to use this to bless and sow into and use it for your kingdom purposes? We're supposed to be using our resources in such a way that we're gaining friends for the purpose of inviting them into this relationship with Jesus. Not in a manipulative way, but in a gracious, gracious way of hospitality of the Lord. Verse 10 and 11 Somebody want to read verse 10 and 11 out loud for us? Yeah? Elaine? Thank you so much for reading that. So resources can be used to test person's integrity. The Lord would give a resource and see, are you trustworthy with this? Whether it's a little or a lot, are you trustworthy with it? Are you dishonest with this? Are you squandering it? Are you hoarding it? Or are you sowing it into ways that would be honorable for the kingdom? And um, if you can't be trusted with earthly resources he's saying why would i give you kingdom even rich eternal resources and so it's a test of our integrity and the lord um, gives us these opportunities to steward things and as i say steward I'm, i'm giving away the next thing worldly wealth there's nothing wrong with it and so um when we think about somebody that maybe has more than us, well, we shouldn't resent that. There's nothing wrong or think, oh, it's better to be poor or it's better to, you know, whatever. It's better to be whatever God's given us to be faithful with it. That's what's better is to be faithful whether we've been given a lot or a little. 
it's not bad to be wealthy, but it um, certainly is a test of your integrity. If you've been given whatever resources you've been given, it's a test of your integrity to see are you going to steward these or if you've been entrusted in the care of these things, will you be faithful with how you use them, whether it's time, talent, or treasure? And so say somebody has a wad of money in their pocket. Are they going to be faithful with that? Are they going to tithe to the church? I mean, that's your first, that's your first trusting God is to give the 10%. And then above that, you give to other things as well. And so are we trusting God and being faithful with whatever we've been given, whether it's a big, thick wad or whether it's little and that money clip says tight wad? And so being frugal, I think, sometimes has been a really high value. But I wonder, does the Lord see and appreciate that value if we're being a tight wad and not sowing and um, blessing others with what we've been given? Now, I love this patio thing, and I think that would just be delightful to have one of those fire pits out here in our parking lot like that we could just enjoy together. But um, I don't know. It probably is against code or something. But if you have if you have a fire pit or if you have a couple of chairs and a card table, are you inviting some people over to play a game or to sing a song or to just talk and share together? You know, what are we doing If you have a cookie or two, have you thought about sharing it? You know, to make friends, to bless people, to be kind and gracious, because Jesus certainly was doing that all the time. Verse 13 says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and and money and so who are you serving who are you thinking about all the time what are you thinking about are you thinking about the lord or are you thinking about what you want the new the new sun umbrella or you want to upgrade your vehicle or you want a new couch in your living room or whatever it is, we live in a very consumeristic society. Maybe some of you want some new disc golf frisbees when your old ones would be fine this summer, but you're thinking, I just want some new ones because I think I would look good out on the course with some bright colored ones, or whatever it is. Whatever, can we just say that we all have something that gives us a temptation to think about? And is it wrong to have things? Absolutely no, it's not wrong to have things. But what are we, is it preoccupying our mind? Is it putting us into debt? Is it um, being used in ways that take us away and outside of fellowship and reaching out with the good news of the gospel? Or is it um, bringing us into interaction with people who need the good news of Jesus? So thinking about our, even our activities, What are our summer activities? How are we going to spend our summer? And are these going to be ways that show devotion to the Lord or show devotion to money or something else? Is this microphone working or do I need to switch? I'm hearing it kind of flick in and out. 
it stopped? It's good now? All right. Let me know if, it, if we need to switch. So what we believe impacts how we live. So if that song, More Than Enough, All of You is More Than Enough, I was really feeling like, oh, I w- that really is it. Do we, we sing that? All of you is more than enough for me. But do we believe that and do we act on it? Do we believe the lie that money will bring me joy or pleasure or friends or peace or whatever it is? And if we believe that lie, then we're seeking after and serving money. If we have a devotion to money, it might result in a temporary gain, but there's consequences if we're seeking after that money and, and chasing after that lie that money will bring me these things? Or do we believe the truth that God is more than enough, that God will bring me joy and pleasure and friends and peace? And as Nate picked out that scripture, that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and anything that we need, which in Matthew 6 is talking about, you know, clothing and food and things that can make us anxious in this world, their true needs, but the Lord will bring the needs that we we need. He'll provide for us in some way as we seek him first. And so do we what we believe impacts how we act and how we act then has consequences. Are we being shown to be trustworthy stewards or are we shown to be that we're trying to make our own way and make our own peace and make our own joy And we oftentimes are tempted towards financial decisions to try to do that. Are you tracking? Yeah. So it brings up a relationship question. Do I enjoy being with my Heavenly Father and participating in his business, in his kingdom business? Do I enjoy being with my Father? The younger son, he was off squandering. The older son didn't want to come into the party, and yet the Lord calls us into relationship and calls us into focusing on his kingdom, bring his kingdom here on earth. And so is that, is that my heart's cry? Lord, I want to be with you. I want people to know the joy that we have. Do you have joy in your relationship with the Lord? I think that's a question to ask. Am I having joy? Am I experiencing the joy of my salvation? Or is there something that's interfering with this? Because certainly if we have the joy of our salvation, we want other people to welcome, come into that joy, come into that knowledge that, you know, these other things are temporary. These other things are temporary. This is what will last. My relationship, your relationship with the Lord is what's going to last. So some questions that I was wondering about this relationship question made me think about this. Do I believe God loves me and intends good for me? Do I live in the joy and generosity of my Father King? And do I want to see other people blessed? I spent, I spent some time with the Lord in these questions. I think these are helpful questions to reflect on relationship questions then there's this resource question do i consider myself the owner or the manager 
of the resources that I have at my disposal. Is this mine or is it his? And I think that we could walk around and look at whatever we've been given and say, is this, am I the owner or am I the manager? Do I understand my role here? Because he's, Father God is the owner. He owns everything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so we're stewards, we're managers. And so am I honest in my financial dealings? Am I generous with my time? Am I kingdom-minded with my finances? Again, do I want to bless others? Do I know how God would have me use my money and resources that he's entrusted into my care? Or do I ask him? If I don't know, I mean, some things are pretty clear. We're supposed to tithe into the church. We're supposed to share and be generous. But, you know, sometimes there's these questions, have we, and maybe there's not a specific scripture that addresses it. You know, is it okay for me to buy a moped or a scooter? You know, I've got a bicycle. Is it okay for me to get a scooter too? You know, those kind of questions. There's no verse in here that says that about scooters. And so how do we pray and how have we asked the Lord, Lord, would you have me? get a scooter this summer? Would you have me be able to get around a little faster because maybe there's somebody you want me to share the gospel with or I need to serve in some way and, you know, riding my bike isn't going to be good enough, you know, to get me where I need to go. Have we asked the Lord? Have we asked the Lord? How are we handling our resources? And then a devotion question, am I devoted to God or money? And so... If, as the owner of the business called the manager in and asked for a full disclosure, if there was a full disclosure on my life and on your life, our pay stubs, how we spend our time, where and how we use our gifts, what would it reveal about our devotion? What would it reveal about your devotion if somebody looked at your itinerary for the week what would it reveal about your devotion if somebody looked at your paychecks and then looked at your expenditures what would that reveal about us if there was was full disclosure because actually there already is full disclosure the owner called the manager in to ask for that God knows everything already. He knows how we're spending our time. He knows how we're spending our resources. He knows how we're using our gifts and talents. And so what Jesus is doing here is to try to help us be reminded of that. He's preparing us to live in light of eternity and not just for the here and now. He's preparing us for the day when we'll all have to give an account He's preparing us to be trustworthy stewards. He wants us to take today, right? That, that steward, all of a sudden, that manager was shrewd, made an immediate assessment and started living right. He wants us to hear this message and make an immediate assessment and start living right starting today because he's gracious in teaching us how to live. I want to tell you a true story 
It's a public account that's been in many newspapers, and it's about a sweet woman named Rhonda that was the business manager at Dane's shop. And um, Rhonda was like the mother figure in the shop. She took care of every all the guys their birthdays. She made them breakfast on Fridays. She did cookouts. She planned the company outings. Um, the owner trusted her explicitly. She had worked with him for years. And I don't know what happened, but at some point, he started to suspect that something was wrong. But he thought, this couldn't be. This just couldn't be. But um, as the newspaper said, um, she had embezzled $650,000 at a time when the tool and die trade was down, the economy was down, and the shops, so many shops were closing up. And he was trying to just keep the shop alive. Christian owner, sweet woman, we, we just couldn't believe it. Like, Rhonda's, Rhonda's been in prison now for a while. <clears throat> but she made a decision. And I don't think she started down that road intending to embezzle $650,000. But she made a decision. Something about she needed more money. She bought another business and was trying to run two businesses, be the bookkeeper in this one and run that one. And over time, more and more and more resources. Her devotion, her thoughts must have just been preoccupied all the time with how to juggle this and how to, and I'm sure she felt horrible. And the newspaper said she just diverted her eyes. She could not look at the owner during the sentencing. There was a full disclosure. Everything was out there. Six credit cards, how she had done it, what all she had done. It was all out, not just in the courtroom, but in the newspapers, in the press. The Lord doesn't want us to be shamed. He wants us to be, and we're forgiven. I so appreciated your prayer, Andrew. Our sins are forgiven. But he's teaching us a way that we would not live for ourselves and be tempted. He's reminding us money can tempt you. It can deceive you. It can lead you in all kinds of paths that are not righteous. And so keep your devotion on God. Keep your devotion on God because not only is there going to be a full disclosure at some point about how we've handled things, but there's going to be a full disclosure about all the good ways that we've handled our stewardship. There are so many people that are doing very, very good things quietly, just quietly giving, quietly serving, quietly being faithful, and yet they're making friends. They, they're the people that people just love to be around. They're just kind. They're nice. They care about people. They ask questions. And then, you know, just something shows up to bless somebody. Or they just invite them over and they spend time with them. There are people that are living like Jesus. How could we ever outgive Jesus? When we think about what he gave up, what would we give up that he didn't give up first? He came from heaven, the glory, the beauty. I mean, I can't even imagine it says he's building us dwellings there. What do dwellings look like in glory? And he came and he didn't even have a place to lay his head. He stepped into poverty. And it was for the joy that was set before him. 
he was so excited about his father's business, about restoring and bringing people into relationship. He was so excited about that that he would come humbly. He would, he would give up all that to come and to serve and to love and to bless. And I imagine that he didn't have much in the way of resources, but what he had, he must have just been just so generous. I, I've seen pictures. You know, sometimes we get these pictures of, and we're not even supposed to necessarily make icons or pictures of Jesus, but, you know, I think I just missed it. I think some of the paintings just look too serious. And I think that Jesus had this incredible joy. And I think that that's what he's calling us into, is this gregarious, happy fullness of joy. Like, what's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. Have you ever gone in somebody's house and they're that kind of hospitality? Make yourself at home. Yeah, you know, if you want some iced tea, it's in the refrigerator. You know, there's some cupcakes on the counter. Um, You know, oh, yeah, what's mine is yours. You need to use my car here. You know, really? Trusting, loving, delightful. That's what he's calling us and inviting us to do is to just not let things Our grip on things have a grip on our heart. But let the Lord, the love of the Lord, just bubble up and overflow. And so there's this word shrewd. It's used twice in this, you know, shrewd. The people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. He dealt shrewdly. And I kind of had this impression like that shrewd meant sneaky, or, you know, somehow I was kind of associating with that dishonest. But um, just Webster says that Shrewd says, having or showing an ability to understand things and to make good judgments, mentally sharp or clever. And then in the Greek, phronismos, it means prudently, wisely, to have quick and correct perceptions, to have insight and comprehension, to be mindful of one's interest. I believe the Lord is calling us to be shrewd when it comes to listening to Jesus say that don't let money get a grip on your devotions. Be totally devoted to God. Make a quick perception. Be wise about the way you handle your resources because you're laying up treasures in heaven. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19 says this. Command those who are rich, and let's say this, Anybody in North America compared to the rest of the world, we consider ourselves rich, right? There are people who don't have water. There are people that are living out of paper shanties. Um, we, have, we are rich. We are blessed. There is a place to get food in this city anytime you need it. Command those who are rich to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous givers, sharing with others, In this way, they will save up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the future and so lay hold of what is truly life. Lord, make us oriented towards true life, eternal life, and help us to use our time, our talent, and our treasures to bless others and to advance your kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, would you make us a people that are totally devoted toward you? God, I ask that you would put your searchlight on us, Lord, not for condemnation, but for correction. Lord, if there's any way that we need to correct our course, 
We want to be shrewd. We want to be quick to perceive this and to change our ways. Lord, for your glory and for our good. And so um, we ask, Lord Jesus, lead us and guide us. In your holy name we pray.